This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the program. Kelly McDonald here. Ramya Amadin here. Over there in Toronto, I'm at the home studio here in London, Ontario, for this edition of Kelly and Ramya. And you, wherever you are, thanks a lot for taking the time to hang out with us. Very, it's that guy uh, not going to fall off the bike, right? Because once you uh-uh. jump back on, it's, it's like riding the bike. Yeah, it should be. Maybe yeah, like maybe be. a tricycle at the beginning and then. Yeah, a little wobbly maybe at first. Here and there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, in well, mud. I wore a sports coat today just so that, well, that's almost once a week that I feel like I'm mired in mud. Oh. That's when the voice sounds to me in my head, look, I'm speaking slow. Um, but today I'm wearing the sports coat to distract people from any of my flubs or errors that that may shoot out of my head. Nice. But it's really, uh, really nice, folks, to have you listening in. And uh, as we uh, appreciate your time, wherever you're listening in on AMI-audio around the world, watching on AMI-tv, it is wonderful. Um, We are going to be announcing different things today on the show that you need to know about. We'll get into that a little later. And in a few moments, we're going to have a little chat, Ramya, again about um, just a rare subject we bring up on here, uh, TikTok. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, let's see what else we've got on the program for today. In the know, we're going to learn about an organization that helps Canadians healthier become healthier in spirit, mind, and body without breaking their banks. That's going to be fun. Also, certified financial planner Ryan Shannon is joining us and talking about loans. Why do we need them? What are some options out there? We'll find out. Okay, we also today are going to uh, be visiting and learning about the Oakville Festivals of Film and Art. They have an incredible night celebrating women. Ladies and gentlemen, we've talked before on this program about their wonderful nights. We will speak to uh, Executive Director Winnie Dunnan as she joins us to tell us all about it at the top of Hour 2 right here on the program. Well, I warned you, like, so if you're, you know, going to take a break from the show because you're fed up of hearing TikTok or you want to pull up TikTok on your phone and see what's going on in your latest trend that you're following, uh, folks, they're imposing new daily time limits for young people. Hold on, you've been scrolling for way too long now. If you were under 18, you're now going to have to enter a passcode if you scroll on TikTok for more than an hour. TikTok says it forces teens to make an active decision to spend more time on the app, though it can be disabled. Screen time is just one of a number of troubles for the Chinese app at the moment. Federal employees have less than four weeks to delete it on their government phones over fears that it could be used for foreign influence campaigns or spying. TikTok's CEO is set to address all this on Capitol Hill later this month. Mike Dubusky, ABC News. So the United States has also, under the Biden administration, decided to take the steps to get a full ban of TikTok. Mm. Mm. So 
meaning we won't have to worry so much about, and, and I'll go back to Ramya, what that item was about. Of course, very important to address that, especially at this time. But we'll have to see where that goes, who follows suit if said ban happens to happen. Uh, that out a little earlier today, news-wise, so we'll we'll be keeping our ear on that. Now, what do you think about these steps that TikTok makes or any of the other social media or entertainment platforms like this um, when it comes to people under 18? Oh, very, um, I don't know. The, the thing is, it's a big tug of war with TikTok because it is actually entertaining. There is actually a lot on there, but also kind of in the middle is, well, it's pretty addictive because it's very short clips. You can scroll forever and ever, uh, and they do very well at the algorithm side of it, right? Giving you what you want to see and That's what right. you're, uh, what you've said you wanted to see. Uh, and then there are all these technological challenges, like they track everything, everything yeah. from keystrokes to... But to do to, what they do with your algorithm, as you mentioned, you they have need that. to track everything. But I think even beyond that, I, I pretty much feel that TikTok knows how powerful it is and how many of us uh, use it all the time, and therefore, you know... We've now, you know, that con conversation of convenience versus security. Well, most of us mm -hmm. have picked convenience and we know how insecure it is. And that's what's terrifying about it. We know how insecure this platform is and how much they can grab a hold of our information and everything they already have on us. And yet we're like, oh, well. Shrug well, I think most of us look at what what are you going to get, whether the Chinese government orders, we want to see all, well, what do you care about where I'm having lunch? What do you care mm -hmm. about about the work assignment I have or the little, my, my $14 in my bank account? That's how I think a lot of us settle ourselves on it. The content, as you yeah, say, varies care. from... No, and content on it isn't the reason we're saying ban it because there's too much cursing or, no, or things like that on. That it's no different sailed. than YouTube or anything else. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Um, all these other platforms. Now we may. I, I don't know the numbers. I know how well TikTok has done. Is but you know compared to what YouTube does or has done, it's a different way of delivery. So I understand it, it may have that more people are seeing little videos due mm -hmm. to the time, due to the fact they're shorter, due to the following one thing after another, due to the what the algorithm does so, hundreds uh, i can go through hundreds I, of videos in just one in, tiktok yeah. session yeah and if that's what you like great if you're looking for other things you may use youtube or whatever but i think our biggest concern is the chinese government i i totally get the ban on well, government somebody's phones. biggest concern is <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, i don't think that you and I personally are the Chinese government's biggest concerns either. So uh, they probably say the same thing. And any other government or any other resource other than advertisers would worry too much about what we're doing, what we're eating and so on. And that's been the age old argument. We'll step aside for a couple of moments as we uh, bring Grant Hardy in here. Reporter Grant Hardy is going to be talking to us about the latest in health, lifestyle and accessibility when we return in two minutes on Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Also, check us out on social media on Twitter. She's at All Rams with a Z. I'm at AMI Kelly Mack. Appreciate the recent follows of any uh, of any of you out there who have taken a couple of moments, and uh, thank you very much for your time. 
Ramya Mouthed, Kelly McDonald, host of the program, and we at this time get to bring in Ramya, our reporter out in Vancouver, Grant Hardy, who comes in here with a variety of things to talk about, from lifestyle health to accessibility. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramya. I love we have such a variety of content, Grant, that you can bring us because I don't know about you, Ramya. I always feel like it's a huge surprise when we announce and bring Grant on. Never know where he's going to go. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm stealing some of Bill's script. I here. was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, pal? How's the week? Hey, folks. It is good. It is good. You know, it's funny because I believe it was last week that uh, Ramia asked me, you know, what is your, what do you try and do to keep kind of a theme for these segments? Mm, and mm -hmm. I said, well, usually on Wednesday, you know, I stick with health. But wouldn't you know it, today I am actually delving into the world of accessibility, which we have on the, mm. on the promo, but which I haven't actually really talked about that much since we launched. Uh, but today, I, I guess I that do... falls under health, though, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, especially okay. if you get, you know, injured by a moving vehicle, which uh -oh. is what our first headline is about. Um, oh. This is... Yeah, this is from the, the Canadian Federation of the Blind blog, and I'm just going to read a little bit about their uh, their latest blog post about this from February 2023. Uh, this is an issue they've been working on for a while, and then I'm going to get your, you guys to uh, throw in your commentary as well as mine. So I don't know if you guys have ever had to deal with these floating bus stops, but they're, they're basically bus stops where you have to, you have to cross a bike lane in order to get to the bus stop. They're very popular. Cycling is very popular in the lower mainland. It's very bike friendly, some of our cities. So they say blind people are still forced to take their lives in their hands when they try to take the bus in downtown Victoria five years after city council was made to understand the dangers of the floating bus stops next to bike lanes. While those bike lanes are making cyclists safer, they are risking the lives of people who cannot use bicycles or motor vehicles and who depend on buses to get around. Uh, after experiencing some quite a bit of indifference from the mayor of Victoria at the time and city council members, uh, the CFB actually felt compelled to file a human rights uh, complaint, uh, basically uh, to expect blind transit users to attempt to dodge speeding silent vehicles to access or exit a bus stop is dangerous and unreasonable. If you can believe it, the BC Human Rights Tribunal actually confirmed that such stops were discriminatory. However, instead of protecting blind transit users, the presiding tribunal member at the time failed to support his cease and desist order and instead just uh, legitimized the dangerous infrastructure by just adding push-button audible flashing lights, which helpfully announce cross with caution vehicles may not stop 
Um, so the CFB is saying that this does not remove the disc uh, the discriminatory barrier. Eventually, they basically uh, had to drop and settle with the city just because of the uh, cost. And they're now finding that just culturally in Victoria, they are sort of debating with members of the public about their own safety, the safety of the blind mm -hmm. community with people who d either don't really understand or don't care or sometimes care. But in any case, it's kind of a debate from a group that people are not even sort of part of. Um, curious to hear your, your guys' thoughts and then I'll maybe throw in some of my own. I just think it's um, quite a sit on the fence approach to be like vehicles may not stop. I mean, why is it difficult to make something a rule right and make it a a predictable situation for people we already know that this is a gigantic concern you know no, no matter where you go i think it's more of a warning like the street a warning cars for who? toronto uh it's for the pedestrians because in toronto they would do the same with the street cars now keep in mind but, but in toronto may, there cars are... may not stop Okay, there, but there here's the signs, thing. There are not just signs, but there are rules. Like when you're learning yep. orientation and mobility around uh, Toronto, we know where the streetcars do stop. We know that if you're trying to do a sighted thing and like cross the street in the middle of downtown uh, in the middle of nowhere, that that is not good for you because cars right. do mm -hmm. not stop there. Stop, uh, streetcars do not stop there. If you're going to cross on a, uh, the opposite surge is green light, that is a problem. So it, yes. it's not uh, flimsy, you know? But here, it's the same thing. They're saying that it should be, if you were to get struck because by, uh, now cyclists are always a different story because there's no insurance, there's nothing to cover you if you get hurt by a cyclist. Yeah, it's technically not the a same motor vehicle. If it was right. a car. Exactly. So we are, in, well, same with a wheelchair in, in that sense. Um, if someone was to be utilizing that and ran into you and broke your leg, um, and I, you know, I'm a person who's been hit by wheelchairs a couple of times and come very close to being nailed by bikes. Um, that is, to me, the the real gray area where, okay, what happens when, if it happens to you? But again, it is always that warning that you're going to step off. They, they, you will, if a car hits you, they'll be prosecuted. But I, I don't really care if my legs are both broke. <laughs> Yeah, so the way that somebody explained this to me is that, um, you know, even if you look at sighted people dealing with bikers and bike lanes, I, I mean, cyclists actually, and no offense to anyone who's listening who is a cyclist or knows someone who is, right, but cyclists can actually exactly. be extraordinarily aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that someone explained this to me is that oftentimes a sighted person's interaction with a cyclist will be, you're crossing a bike lane. There aren't really any rules, as Ramya said. There's no rules about really who's supposed to go for, I mean, technically you're supposed to, I guess, yield to pedestrians, but there's not really a rule mm -hmm. about like who's supposed to go first. So you kind of meet each other you narrowly miss each other there may be some sort of you know expletive you know used and then you kind of go on, Move on. throughout right. your day yep. but yep. with uh, in the blind community you're really kind of at the mercy that these quote yep. unquote vehicles that don't make any sound that you have no way to yield to are uh are going to stop. And I think mm -hmm. it's an interesting example of, you know, part of it is 
people need to be careful. But I think beyond that, it goes back to this idea that infrastructure needs to be designed mm. uh, more safely. And, and this sure. is clearly an example of something where... Well, I, to design more safely always gets into money. But as you say, Grant, you guys may feel that there's no rules, but if you're a pedestrian and you get hit by a cyclist, where the question will come into, oh, they were blind, so it is very possible they just stepped right out in front of them, yeah. unless there's a witness that says no. But if a sighted person, there's also just an understanding that, well, that cyclist either must have been going really yeah. fast, must have been wearing black, must have done something that the sighted person could not have seen them. So therefore, the fault may land more on the cyclist than, oh, well, they're blind. They had no idea he was five feet away, and he stepped out in front of them. This is my problem is with traveling blind, period. You know, whenever, yes, for yes. example, right, you have the double lines at intersections where the cars are supposed to be behind the first line and yep. not in your way as a pedestrian crossing the street. Well, in Toronto, right. at least once a day, and I travel every day to and from work as an example, at least once a day there is someone who's pulled out in my uh, walking path at, at an intersection. And... Of course, if you're sighted and if you're able-bodied and if you know what you're risking, you can go around the car into the way of traffic and end up back on your uh, line of travel, right? That is not my... Yep. That's not what my instinct is. That's not a safe opportunity or option for me. And yet... You know, the lines are there, the rules are there, but people just don't That's follow right. them. And but many interactions are cited. enforced. Yeah, but many interactions yeah. are cited and many, like, problems, if they were to come, will be pinned on the person with a disability because oh, we didn't know what we were doing. Well, if you walked into the side of the car, the car pulled out, ran over your toes or something, mm -hmm. all right, and, and you're injured, that's what it comes down to. If a sighted person walks in front of it and kicks the bumper and, and damages the vehicle in any way and says, you idiot, you know, yeah. well, you're yeah. over the crosswalk. What do you expect them to do? No police officer driving by the intersection is going to, hey, hey, what's that car doing? Right, and, of course not. It's not enforced. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, 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 a, just a, it's a... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Grant. Yeah, no, it's a good point, though, too, because in, in that split second, you also have to kind of make a decision about which way this car in your path might be facing, mm -hmm. right? Which way it might be And going. how far because... out are you better to go behind it, which could put you in other jeopardy, or step out in front just as somebody else is crossing through the intersection yeah. too close? And because you, you don't know how far stuck out you're going around this thing. Yeah. yeah. It, Grant, I... it's in interesting because in your uh, scenario, like the example that you pointed out, that interaction is between two sighted people you know two people <laughs> who can say uh, and you know this even when you're in cars with dr sighted drivers hopefully they're sighted uh that they're <laughs> they're having communication like visual communication with other drivers right to say like okay go ahead or thank you or whatever but that's we don't get any of that or very little of that if you're low vision or blind so you miss out on that communication in that instant that you would really benefit from having it you have to yeah, be very careful right. because going around the front back of a vehicle, which we are usually told in mobility, don't do, mm -hmm. you know, we, we are told stuff, but those classes are not attended by automobile drivers or anyone else. So they don't know, they don't communicate because, well, my goodness, what do I say? What do I do? I don't want to distract the person. I have to make the decision, you know, which could cause one of us to be in trouble. I have right. to get out of his way. Oh, he stepped in front of me to go around me. Uh, it's such a horrible dangerous guessing game mm -hmm. because of the lack of that communications and grant would you say lack of understanding 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think just in the case of uh, of cyclists too, there's uh, there's this idea that it's not a motor vehicle. So people kind of feel okay about being maybe a little bit more aggressive because mm. cyclists feel like they're a little more on your level as a pedestrian they're they're not right. they're not a car i i will uh, i will say that i have i have never been hit at touch wood but i have been crossing a driveway and my cane was actually hit by a cyclist which was like not a big deal we went about our way but when i took a look at my cane there was actually a really good dent in it from being hit by the cyclist so like i i think it's uh it's really important to acknowledge the fact that if you do have some sort of a collision with a cyclist uh you will be dangerous and you will be injured and i I even if they even if your cane got broke People would look at it, oh, at least I didn't hit the guy, and keep on going. When meanwhile, now you're, how the heck do I get home? How do I get to where I'm going? My my device has been taken away. So all we ask, stop and talk to us. Yeah, and work on your city infrastructure. It's really, really (laughs) frustrating to Mm -hmm. see. Again, as I always say, like, our needs are just so simple, and, and sometimes it seems like not a high priority for anybody to change the infrastructure or, or you need them. Or some kind of puzzle to work it out. Grant, as yeah, usual, sir. Exactly. Thank you kindly. We will have you on tomorrow a little later in the show uh, uh, for What in the World as we switch things up a little bit. So we'll talk to you then, sir. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Grant Hardy, of course, with us from Vancouver, a reporter out there. And, of course, today he was covering off so many things. Mainly today, usually it's the health day, but today we talked a little accessibility and had a good conversation, Ramya, about uh, all that content. He'll be back with us again tomorrow. Up next on In the Know, we find out about an organization that helps Canadians become healthier in spirit, mind, and body without breaking our banks. We'll look forward to that as Margaret Weldon joins us next. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. This week on the Neutral Zone on AMI-audio, well, the panel gives their perspective on whether or not professional athletes have too much say in their organization's decision-making and what, if anything, needs to be done about it. Neutral Zone, as mentioned, on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio, also available from your favorite podcast platform, as well as YouTube. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Every other week on Wednesdays, we get in the know, and we do this with Margaret Weldon. All right, we're going to bring Margaret right on today. Sorry, Margaret, no doorbell ID for you, but that's all right. Oh, that, that's all right. You know what it is? My, my headshot um, isn't ready yet. But I have to say one thing about your last conversation, uh-huh. guys. Sighted drivers out there, please don't go throwing pennies at cyclists or, you know, uh, people who might be crossing the street wrong ways or even other cars that might cut them that off. That's a thing. It's really, it is. It, it's it's really not a good idea. Where are they getting <laughs> pennies from? Just save the pennies. Why pennies? Why would they... Is it to suggest they take a bus? 
Um, I, I think it's mainly the sound. I, I have no idea why, like why, why they do it. I, I knew something. Well, I mean, obviously it would hurt. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, but I think it's the That's sound. Too. Very like, disrespectful. Sound. Yeah. I knew somebody who did it years ago and I thought it was just a one person thing. And then, um, I, I was outside and somebody was crossing the street the wrong way. And somebody in another car threw a pet, threw a few pennies oh, at, at uh, somebody. Yeah, grief. So don't wow. I don't think that's a one person thing. I think that's a one idiot thing. Well, all right. Huh. Multiple. Yeah, yeah, like that's just that horrible. terrifying. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, so please, yeah, please we don't collectively do that. all agree. Let's not do that. Yeah, please stop. <laughs> yeah, Margaret, yeah. Uh, cool topic today and cool organization to highlight. So, most people, as as far as we know, would absolutely love to participate in activities that help us become more, uh, you know, spiritually aware. Our minds, our bodies, be active that way, right? But unfortunately, there's always the question of money, and some people are prevented in becoming more active because of the expenses involved. But today, you're going to tell us about an organization that's existed for a very long time that helps people enjoy recreational activities while balancing their budgets, or at least helping them out to do so. We're talking the YMCA. So tell us about the YMCA movement. Okay, actually, first of all, I, I'm I'm proud to say, and I, I don't know why I didn't look into this earlier, but my family used to belong to the YMCA in Burlington, Ontario, when we were when we were kids, and and um, we had a lot of fun and enjoyed their programs. But this uh, started by a man named George Williams in 1844 in uh, London, England. Now, he had the idea that he wanted to make his community stronger by bringing people together and creating programs that would uh, promote cooperation, courtesy, inclusion, and all that kind of thing. Um, and the programs in the beginning focused on youth, but as we'll see later on in the segment, you know, they, they did grow. And uh, eventually, it started out like from one YMCA to um, like what they call now the YMCA movement. And today the YMCA movement is operating in 140 countries across the globe. Think wow. about that. Huge. That is really impressive. And, and and we know things have kind of changed over the years in direction, Ramya. I, I know that when I was a kid, like the, the Y was just a great place to go work out, uh, the programs, the things that they involve people. It was also a huge place for volunteering. So, Margaret, when did the Canadian YMCA begin its operations? The Canadian YMCA um, started out just as a single YMCA in uh, Montreal, Quebec in 1951. And again, it started out with just a few youth programs. Eventually, it developed into the Canadian YMCA Federation. Now, today, there are 1,700, that's 1,700 locations across Canada, and they help approximately 2.2 million people a year improve their minds, bodies, and spirits through a variety of programs. Yeah. As Kelly mentioned, the workout part of it, I think a lot of us, that's the first thing we think about when we think YMCA, but actually there are loads of uh, offerings that they, you know, have initiated and brought in. So there's the YMCA and then there's the YWCA. Can you tell us the difference and how they're connected? Yes. So the YMCA letters actually stand for Young Men's Christian Association and the YWCA stands for Young Women's Christian Association. Now, unfortunately, I, they are connected, but I don't know exactly when the YMCA itself got started. I was not able to find that out. Now, don't let those names fool you because the YMCA and YWCAs, 
um, cater to cultures, communities of, of all types and, and, and all ages. And uh, it, it, like, again, it's really a great place to even go and, and learn some different things. So yeah, so and, it's YMCA yeah. for men's. Pardon me, Ramya? Oh, I was going to say most of us just call it the Y anyway, so. <laughs> I was yeah. just going to say that. Yeah, most of us just do that now. We, we just say, you know, we're going to the Y or yeah. when they talk about the Y. Yeah, yeah. It I was the, point... that accessible place, right, Margaret? When you talk about culture, when you talk about people who, it was accessible for people of many walks of life. Yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. And and you know what? Even Here's a surprise, guys. It's even accessible for, for people with disabilities. All Imagine that. Mm. all of them yeah like amazing even, um like even blind and apparently if if something is not quite accessible they do uh um they they will try to you know do what they can to make it accessible i mean nothing's mm -hmm. perfect out there right but the fact is is they do try their best and you've got to yeah. give it that now just one piece of advice that I, or one piece of information rather that i found earlier today mississauga icon hazel mccallion uh, as you know, as many of you know, passed away right. um, a couple of weeks ago. She was a big fan of the YMCA and YWCA and uh, did a lot of fundraising for it. Okay. So, yeah. It's yeah. the volunteerism. She was quite a volunteer, quite be mm. a believer in, in, in sport for people and that kind of supporting. And I know, Margaret, when I say accessible too, I remember when I first joined, they had accessible memberships. I wasn't paying for a full membership. I had a full membership, but when I was on disability, they made sure they were accessible to people. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they still do that today, right? Because yeah. they get yep. a lot of their funding from uh, private like you know from private citizens like you and I or corporate donations they may get the odd government grant but it's not something that they look at right but you know right. and what they do is they try to find the program that will help you the best like find the proper assistance program that can help you so you know maybe some of you can't afford to pay a full membership so maybe they they look at your income and your you know your quality of life or whatever and by the way this is not just for individuals it's for families too right and then they'll 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 talk about okay well maybe if you can't pay this you know how about this plan here or if you can't even afford to pay it it, it gets wiped yeah. it gets right. wiped right off right so how are they structured, Max? What's the federation itself, the Canadian YMCA Federation, structured like? Okay, so there is a there is what they call a national office, and the national office basically, um, you know, tries to advocate for the member associations, which we'll get to in a second, and it basically tries to also meet with other world YMCA national offices to come up with new ideas for programming to learn, to grow culturally, to do all kinds of things, to do some fundraising. Uh, the member associations are the various YMCAs that are located in different provinces. And then you've got the, you know, the, the actual YMCA, um, just the individual YMCAs, and they tailor to the communities. But they all work together, but they also, you know, work, work in their own communities too. So they all work together to try and advocate for people to make sure that they get the best of life's qualities when it comes to mind, body, and spirit. But they also do their own fundraising, and they also have programs that are tailor-made to their communities. So one community, for example, may have more youth or children, so there might be more programs that are available for youth or children, whereas another small town might have more seniors, right? And they have mm -hmm. more programs for seniors. Yeah. Yeah. Really cater it to the the population and the needs of the particular community. That's right. Okay. That's right. 
Yeah. All right. That's really interesting to know. I had no idea. I mean, you know, you hear a lot of uh, when you think workout facilities, gyms, their chains and, and many places around us, but we never really think, do they know what is like what the community is where they're located? So that's very specific. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and they, you know, and they, and they've got their, their finger on the pulse all the time. Mm. That's, that's the unique thing about it. Right. Yeah. It would make sense. It would make sense. Okay. Yeah. So how about the Canadian, uh, YMCA Federation then let's talk about some of the programs they offer. Okay. So, oh my goodness, there's lots of them. So you've got, yeah, you've got, you've got daycare programs. You've got what used to be known as moms and tots programs, but now, you know, if fathers want to take their little kids to programs, they can now, right? You know, like little babies and that kind of thing. You've got um, swimming lessons. You've got aquafit programs. You've got gyms. You've got cooking programs, volunteer services, employment services, how to eat on a budget. You've got programs for seniors. I think in some places, too, you can even rent rooms rooms to stay overnight in at YMCA, oh, yeah? Yeah. They, they, I don't know if they still have that anymore. I think some of the older ones, but I remember that. The day, I hate saying that. That's how old I am. But I know that those were, were really vital, and you couldn't rent it any cheaper. So, Mags, something interesting happened from the Toronto YMCA when they offered, during the pandemic, a very unique program. Yes, and this is what got me really investigating YMCA. So, during the pandemic, the YMCA in Toronto offered a program called A Brighter Day, and this was um, a program that was dedicated to, to teach seniors how to use their uh, tablets, cell phones, computers, and to do things like send pictures, text messages, you know, send emails nice. in order to help them decrease isolation, right? And the program was only scheduled to be running through the lockdowns. Um, and then as time went on, this program became so popular that it was announced a couple of weeks ago that Toronto YMCA is actually going to keep that program for seniors, and they've added some new features to it, like how to eat on a budget, how to enjoy like too much money, you know, how to how to um, be active in your home safely, as well as all the basic technology things that we just mentioned as well. So yeah, and and I think that's pretty neat because mm -hmm. it's very difficult to find programs like that for seniors, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. Yep. So. And it goes back to your premise of them offering things, catering things to different parts of the community and uh, also taking advantage of a situation during the pandemic. You know, this is really, really huge. How does the YMCA movement uh, get its funds and what does it cost to join as an individual, Margaret, or as a family? Okay, so the YMCA gets, gets its funds, as we said earlier, um, from private donations yeah. from people like you or I um, or corporate donations. Or, you know, sometimes they get the odd government grant, I guess. But what happens is if you contact the YMCA in your area and, you know, you're needing some uh, financial assistance, there are people there who can sit down with you, go through what your assistance is, find out what program you qualify for, and then go from there. Right? That's so that, beautiful. But they do it discreet. They do it discreetly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, you know? they understand people's privacy and security that way. Where can people go to learn a little bit more, Margaret, about the YMCA movement? Okay, so um, actually all you really need to do is type in capital Y, capital M, capital C, capital A, hit enter, and you'll get a list of locations that are in your area. You'll get the you'll get the number for the national office in your area. Like I've got the Toronto number written down here, but there's no toll-free number. And then after doing some research, I discovered it's because they, they provide different national office numbers uh -huh. for people in the province. You get a list of you know the locations that are near you. 
And also, if you want to, you know, get more information about what's available for you or how to access those locations, you can always contact any location or the, uh, the national office in your area, the, the number in your area for the national office, and they'll be more than happy to help you. Um, they didn't seem to have a, a website like a ymca.ca or anything like that. So, but I will tell you one thing, it's amazingly accessible. It really, okay. it really is. Yeah. Good. I always appreciate that note by the end of your uh, segments. You've checked it out and made sure. Um, cool, Margaret. Thank you so much. Learned a lot about the YMCA today. Yeah, that's great. Have a good afternoon, guys. You too. Margaret Weldon joining us for In the Know, and that's every other Wednesday here on the show. I didn't realize there's only one location for Toronto. Oh, really? I had there no idea. There used to be a few. Well, wow. I mean, unless I'm understanding this context differently, but yeah. Yeah, I would here assume in London, they're always expanding them. It's beautiful. It's been just a, uh, again, with my experience that I've had at it, it was a godsend for a lot of time. Mm. Many great workouts at the Y. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, support is amazing. Up next, Bill Shackleton's with us. He joins us, as he does, Wednesday through Friday for The Buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the program. It's Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. You're here with Kelly and Ramya for your uh, Wednesday afternoon. You remember, check us out as a, a repeat on the on AMI-tv and AMI-audio at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. On AMI-tv, check us out at 1 a.m. in the morning. Go ahead. It's all right. I know I've inspired a yawn. Go ahead. And 6 a.m. in the morning on AMI-audio. Whatever, whenever you get a chance to check us out, we appreciate it. And keep in mind, there's always uh, the podcast that you can subscribe to. And we'll even give you some hints later on in the show, Ramya, as we tell people a little bit about what they may want to check out later. Um, I'm still thinking uh, about the why and just the accessibility alone. And when I say that, Ramya, it's the volunteerism that people would go out of their way that I have observed. Mm -hmm. to, you know, again, I mean, the Ys are set up. I mean, one of my Ys that I went to had a track around all the weight equipment. So was we were talking with Grant about safety crossing, something right. like that, so you don't step in front of someone running, much the same as stepping in front of a bike. It was just knowing everyone there was good about looking out for each other, was good at, you know, hey, you're clear to go. Or, hey, uh, anyone, is, is it safe for me to cross? Yeah, that's right, go ahead. Yes. You know, some some person working on equipment. It was just as Margaret pushed very much about the family. It was a family atmosphere always. Well, gyms and fitness facilities are intimidating on a regular day, to say the least, right? I yes. mean, I'm not sure if you're able-bodied that you can attest to it the same way a person with a disability can, but I know that, you know, over the years, all the different gyms that I've been to, uh, supported or not, I feel there's always that fear, of, uh, I don't know where I'm going, or is it the same as it was yesterday, or is the lighting yep. going to be better or worse, that kind of thing. And yeah, you're right. Just knowing that people's awareness is there, is it makes that much of a difference. Yeah, you had a lot of reminders, too, to people. Pick up your weights. Don't leave mats laying yes. around others. Not just some blind guy or a disabled person can't do this or that, get around it. It was for everybody's safety. It was it was always a, a welcome feeling there because I know it wasn't just going out of the way because, oh, there might be Kelly, the blind fellow who works mm -hmm. out here coming in today. 
Bill Shackleton, you ever have that experience? Did you work out at any point at uh, the Y and have that life experience? We were talking about how people could even rent rooms there. Shaq joins us now well, for the buzz. Actually, we had volunteers that actually stayed at the Y. But yes, I was lucky enough to be there and the at the inaugural opening in Toronto and the CNIB bust a, a bunch of us there uh, because we were from the ski Hawks or there, maybe it was another reason. But even back then it was, it was, they had the running track with the rail and yeah, it was really, even back then, extremely accessible. Mm -hmm. That's so, funny you mentioned yeah, the rail. And, yeah. I remember um, that. I remember the ones that I'd been at often and and going back to the staying at. I remember I was in an Ontario game sort of physically disabled. Yeah. Um, I don't know when it was back in the 80s and we were in Windsor and my father wanted to come down and see some of it and he stayed at the Y. So back then you could do that. I don't think you could in London by then. I think they had removed the dormitory situation, but it was just so accessible in so many ways for so many people, Bill. Really something. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. And and then I I actually got into Variety Village because it was a little more, um, you know, for people yeah. with disabilities, yeah, yeah. and I kind of liked it because it was, yeah. you know, you go in the weight room, you go in the track, and the only thing it was the same. But so many of those places like that, um, you know, Variety Village, uh, the accessible center out in, um, I want not Oshawa, sorry, um, not Age Pickering. And in that area, um, they they were inspired by what people were doing at these Ys and and what we saw, and even the the model. Hey, uh, to build these places, what oh, city right. support? What prov provincial support? What donations from big organizations that did this and and stuff like that, and fundraising groups that were out there that that's what they fundraised for. So, really tremendous mm -hmm. and and great topic, Billy. Where are we starting with you today? What do you got for us? Well, do you guys like your signature, the way it looks? I know mine's oh, an grief. X. Mine doesn't <laughs> resemble anything. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, mine, uh, my father used to say that's a good ink blot. Yeah, right. it, it's it's something. <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. Um, so the title of the article is Hate Your Signature, um, Plastic Surgery for, Try Plastic Surgery for Autographs. And they don't mean plastic surgery. They do mean a template that you can get um, that will help. And there's a calligrapher, um, calligrapher that will help you actually design your signature. So celebrities, ah. um, lawyers, trying a new cosmetic surgery of sorts for which they're signing up. So apparently people, your signature, um, a lot of people don't like the way their signature looks. They don't like the fact that the signature doesn't represent them themselves it doesn't mm. you know they 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 don't think the signature is representative of how they look of you know how they approach the world as an individual so, even yeah as it an doesn't individual. give you that individualism allegedly that's right it's art um, it's expression <laughs> it is there are practitioners on tiktok and all over the internet that will help you so here's some of the templates you can get eloquent um subtle dramatic sharp classic artistic um condensed curly legible or illegible so there's a whole bunch of ways <laughs> I love that, that last one for us like, yes. like, yeah like mine 
that there's so there's a whole bunch of ways that you can get for two months. Um, it takes if you put in the time, you can get a template, and you got to fork over some money. Of course. Um, yeah, but the problem is, what happens if you have signed a health document or a credit card slip with your old signature, and then you get the signature, the mm -hmm. new one? Mm -hmm. Can you revert back to the old one? What if you forget how to do it? I mean, you're going to have to redesign, sign everything. But don't you guys so ask guess... yourself this question all the time? Like, um, I don't know if my signatures actually look alike. I squiggled the way I thought I squiggled last time, but I it's honestly. But, but it's probably not legible enough for anyone. And exactly. they're not going to say to you, can't you do better? This doesn't look like your last ink block. Right. So, I mean, I guess maybe you're right. If you're if you have something that is a very particular signature and then you change it completely, then yeah. people would question that, but honestly. Bill, do you use, I, well, you said you do an X now, but did you ever use one of those signing? Writing guides? Like a stamp or a stamp, like the, the stamp that a lot of people are now using, who, you know, it's a difficulty to sign things, so they use a bit of a stamp? No, I was in a lawyer's office one time and did, and I tried the writing guides that, you know, the, yeah, the you signature guides. over that sort of yeah. signature guides, I guess they're called. And yeah. Um, it's really interesting to me that people take that signature that seriously. You don't like your signature. Well, holy smokes, I guess. You would almost feel personal, right? Because when you're yeah. in school and taught how to write, like you, they sit there, yes. you, you're taught how to write specifically, which takes out the personal, even though it is, that's your yeah. handwriting, isn't it? Well, but, but you're taught to write in a specific way. But people are very proud of their calligraphy. My mother's signature is just quality, man. Like, it's absolute mm. quality. Every single signature looks absolutely uniform to the last one. And uh, when she looks at my uh, signature, she's horror struck. Yeah, my oh, dad yeah. used Can't to really it. make... My, uh, my dad used to make me practice it. It was, yeah. it was, a, it yeah, it was basically was stuff. an insult. It was an affront mm -hmm. if he's... Oh, come on. I, I remember signing and having him turn away with disgust. Yeah, that's my mother, <laughs> 100%. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was like oh god, and they'd say thank you, sir, and he'd like thank you for what you can't. Can I say, <laughs> would you quit it? Good grief, you can't actually, even read it though. I'm actually pretty sure my mom said those exact words. You know, aren't you yeah. proud of your signature? Like, shouldn't you be signing something that you're proud to sign? I'm like, I really don't care. Did she get you to practice it when you were a kid? I think so. Oh, when we yeah. were learning cursive, nuts. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember at the, at, the, at the kitchen table sitting there, writing, writing, writing. <laughs> do it again, another sheet of paper. Shaq, how did your family feel? Like when X must have come along and it was more of an acceptable way to do it. You must have loved it. I did, but it was like, I, me I remember when we used to sign credit card slips. Mm -hmm. I would yep. go to one yep. restaurant and they never, I mean, every time he took the credit card slip to the bank, hey, Bill, I had trouble with your credit card. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, everybody used Interact, but yeah. 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 Just come yeah. in here with cash, would you, for goodness sakes? Yeah, Don't that, bring your credit card nonsense. Because now you have right. to sign with your mouse. Like on uh, computer e-signature sometimes, they make you draw out a signature. Now, of course, there's the option to type for most platforms, but even there... Um, sometimes you have to actually draw in your signature. So I'm left-handed, yeah, with your mouse, yep. right? And I'm yeah. left-handed, so when I'm writing a signature down, I, I write with my left hand. But when I have to type or draw in a signature with the mouse, I'm using my right hand, and that's even worse. Like, yeah. no, where those and, and, two signatures are the same. 
and they cut us a lot of slack with it. Um, and I'm I think sure there do. are a lot of people who work really hard at getting a good signature who now say, what the heck, what for? That right. they, if you've got Kelly making this terrible signature and getting away with it, you know, why not bother? But I, believe me, I practiced forever because, like you said, <laughs> Bill, hey, I took this to the bank and they were upset. It was a real thing. And there wasn't the scream of accessibility then. It, they, they, oh, yeah, you got to be able to sign. And they gave us time at school, practice. Sign your name. My teachers were on me for it. And my parents would come for parents day and tell them, get on, get on him about his writing. Get him to mm. practice his name. So, wow. Jack, where else do you want to go, sir? Um, well, we wanted, uh, we can get this third one on. Um, the European Space Agency is actually pushing for lunar time. Now, the reason yeah. why they're doing this is because there's so many missions to the, um, to the, to the moon in, in the future going to be planned. There's no time on the moon. Like, what time is it on the moon? Um, basically, what they're saying is uh, that that clocks are um, are microseconds fast, faster on the moon. They're also mm. saying that for practicality for astronauts, they have to know what time it is. I mean, isn't, I, mean right. I mean, to me, it makes sense that they would have that. Can you clarify this? Um, we're changing time for who? Well, we're, we're changing time a... here on Earth. The no. They're or creating for, a lunar time. Okay, creating it's a lunar something time. separate, right? Like, not right. Yeah. suggesting well, we change well, everything we know about still time. No, no, but you would still recognize that as a time zone yeah. here on Earth, okay, even okay, though yeah, it's not yeah, on yeah. Earth. We, you know, so it means, you know, join us for Kelly and Romy at 3.13 lunar time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is 3.45, aren't, oh my God. Which is uh, sundial Don't time. Uh, I, can't keep, <laughs> I can't keep up. Okay, Billy, what about, Jack, yeah. what do you think of that? Well, you know what? I I think it it does make sense because when you yeah. launch a spacecraft, um, it it just goes by the time the of the time the country is that launched it. So there's no real. It's like a the translations concert. off. Yeah, there's yeah, it's, and in it's all not. time zones, right? Yeah, that's so, right. But it's. And again, with so many countries working together, I guess it would make yeah. sense. It's one thing when it was the U.S. and and you know um, the, the Russia running, you know, the, the race for for the moon to mm -hmm. understand that they would do their thing in their own time or space. But now that you have so many countries working together and and being up there at the of space, course. you know, uh, on the moon, you you really do need to think about whether it's lunar time or how you're even just with people at the space station. Would that be yeah. included in that, I wonder, Bill? I doubt it, right? I think it would, so. The space station, wouldn't that orbit, since it orbits Earth? It would well, be that, it's I universal. Would think it, would be... it goes by It goes by universal. U, U, okay. uh, what, U.S., whatever they call it, UTS or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Um, Greenwich Main Time, as we used to call it, right? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Billy, awesome stuff as usual, pal. Uh, very interesting. You got us really going that, of course, we were convenient as usual and only allowed you to put two <laughs> items on the table today. But, uh, you know, we're trying, Bill. We're trying to do better. Yeah, we'll get there. One of these days, Bill Shackleton joins us Wednesday through Fridays right here on Kelly and Rumya. We call the segment The Buzz. We never know exactly where he's going to go. He brings items for us to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, Ramya and I still have another hour with you, so hopefully you can stick around with us because we've got a lot ahead. We're going to speak with certified financial planner Ryan Chin about loans. There's an audio described performance that TO Live is offering on Saturday, March 11th called Broken Cord. We learn more with programming coordinator Nathan Sauter. 
But up next, the Oakville Festivals of Film and Art are proud to present an inspirational uh, and entertaining evening celebrating powerful female change makers. We'll get into that conversation next right here on Ramya and Kelly. Or Kelly and Ramya, depending what uh, lunar time zone you're in. For more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.